Welcome in to the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. I'm not even going to make a joke. It's not funny anymore. It's too damn real. Nine straight wins for the New York Knicks, 120 to 103 over the team. They previously could never figure out the Toronto Raptors, Alex, an incredible game, a lot of star performers. What are we going to get into? I mean, what are we not going to get into? Julius Randle notches another 30-point effort. Five more three-pointers on the game. Just going crazy once again. Derrick Rose was dynamo off the bench. Kept his steady hand out there to lead the Knicks to another victory. And R.J. Barrett had what felt like kind of a shaky start to the game and then comes through late and in the second half once again and helps put this one away for the Knicks with 25 points. So much more to talk about, too, about just the general flow of this awesome game next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's cut. And he's Anthony for three. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, once again, as of next week, and the co-host of this wonderful podcast. He is Alex Wolf, the editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the best Knicks website out there, and covering one of the best teams in the NBA. That's right, the Knicks have that distinction as of uh, the last couple of games, nine in a row now for New York, a 120-103 to victory over the Toronto Raptors. And sometimes we delay it. It's not worth doing it today. Julius Randle, another monster effort. He continues to make a case. I'll say right now, not the third-team All-NBA. I'll go so far as to second. If you want to talk about him on first, I'd say you're drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, but I wouldn't call you crazy. 31 and 10 for Randall, 10 of 17 from the field, 5 of 7 for 3, 6 for 8 from the foul line. Alex, we get into it on a yet to be released episode with the Ringers, Jay Kyle Mann, talking about what Randall's ultimate ceiling on, on a title type team, either a team that will win a championship or contend for one, would look like. I'm starting to become convinced that it's not necessarily as the third guy on that kind of team. I think it could be as the second. The shot making by the day just starts to feel more and more real. Like we're, we're early in the season, it was, all right, he's, he's making his open threes. That's kind of nice. It's like, oh, wow, now it's, he's kind of doing it with a hand in his face. And now all of a sudden it's, it's around screens. It's on step backs. It's, it's off the dribble, off a variety of moves, in transition. Any way you want it, Julius Randle seems to find a way to deliver it. I want to get into some of the specific plays from this one, Alex, but first I want to toss it to you. What do you make uh, from the latest star cementing performance from Julius Randle? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's kind of exactly what you're saying, man. Like just the, the sheer consistency with which he's putting up these crazy performances is crazy, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I mean, I don't think, you know, even with how well he was playing, at the beginning of the year, I don't think that you could have told me, you know, hey, Julius Randle, 
you know, by the stretch run of the season in the last like, you know, 10, 15 games will be, you know, scoring almost 30 points per game, uh, hitting step back three pointers at will. Uh, he'll be an absolute mid range assassin, you know, able to just fade on the baseline anytime that he wants to, uh, to, you know, get a, a mid range shot and make them like at least 50% of the time. Um, you know, he's, he's a super smart player that, gets inside, always finds his teammates the right way, very rarely forces it. You know, he, he deals with some turnover issues, but that's only because he's he's doing so much of the playmaking load and everything else. I mean, it's just, there's so much that he's added to his game, but in particular, you know, and, and again, we talk about that with, with J. Kyle Mann on the episode that'll be coming out later this week, but like, you know, his shot making is just obscene. You know, the way that he's developed it from... I mean, last year when he couldn't hit an open three if his life depended on it. I mean, he he shot like under 30% last year on a pretty decent volume. I would I, I think it's only a little bit less uh, last year than that he was shooting from three than he is this year. But he's just making such a higher amount of them, and they just feel so automatic. And it's not even like he's just making them from a standstill. He it, the, the step backs, the just pure off the dribble, the... Um, it just everything. It's it's insane. Just his his acumen for shooting at this point, and that's really become the difference maker. Of like, okay, yeah, earlier this year, if if he had you know if things had leveled out and he had become like a thirty five percent three point shooter again, and was mostly just shooting them off catch and shoot and that sort of thing, then he's basically like good Julius Randall from New Orleans, which would have been a fine player. You know, I, I wouldn't have been complaining too much to have him shoot 35% from deep and, you know, be an above average passer for a ball or for a, a big and, um, you know, just play good defense and all that stuff. You know, that would have been fine by me. But to have him turn this corner and become a volume three-point shooter that can create his own looks and also is smart at creating looks for others, it's, yeah, it, I could very easily see, you know, if some fever dream scenario played out where let's say like Kawhi Leonard, you know, entertains coming to the Knicks this off season or Steph Curry entertains coming next off season in 2022, you know, you could very easily sell it to those guys. Hey, yeah. Julius Randle is, he's a, you know, he could be your Robin to your Batman and you'll feel really good about it because not only can he play off of you, but he can create plays for you. He can create plays for himself if you need it. Um, He's he's clearly very clutch as a player. You know, he's good at drawing fouls, everything else. I mean, he's got everything that you want from just a superstar in general. But I, I would say, you know, everything that a top tier, like, you know, top 10 player would want out of a co-star, I think Julius Randle has. So to your point, yeah, it, it's great to see this transformation. And this is like, obviously, very big picture to talk, you know, after they just won their ninth straight game. But these are the sort of things we start to think about now when, you know, the, the Knicks have just won nine straight games and are now sitting comfortably in the fourth seed in the East. You know, these are the things that are allowed to start crossing your mind now. So it's, it's an exciting time to be a fan of the Knicks and have Julius Randle on your team. Yeah, and I think when you have conversations about championship teams in the NBA, you, you, you do so with the understanding that it takes multiple stars in 2021 to win a title, probably three of them. And for those three stars to translate into a championship, 
there has to be a great fit there. It, it can't just be, all right, we're going to overwhelm you with talent. Like the 2012-13 Miami Heat team that, that just bowled over everyone, you, you throw them in the modern NBA, they're really, really good, but they're not the obvious title favorite because the fit wasn't quite as clean as, as some of the other, as like like a Katie, Kyrie, Harden, assuming they're all healthy. And I think that's that's what we're seeing from Randall now. It, it's that when you, when you master all these different aspects of basketball, you have this inherent versatility and, and you combine that with, I mean, I think it's a combo of, of high basketball IQ and, and just, just an unselfishness. You, you get someone who, who can fit with basically any star. And I think we, we talk about it again. I hate to do this because the podcast that's coming out in the future, but um, I, I was kind of questioning, I was like, yeah, he's such a rhythm player. Like he likes to get his dribbles and he likes to get his shots. Um, I, I think one, you can do that with most other stars in the league. I mean, that's, that's guys are just used to that at this point Two, Randall feels like whatever role you need of him at this point, he can kind of fill it because in a single off season, it feels like a guy who, I mean, last year we poked all these holes in, in his game and it feels like he, he's put a stopper in every single one of them and, and fixed them all this off season right now, like the way he's playing during the streak, obviously there's, there's stuff that he doesn't do at the highest level. And he's still like, he doesn't have Zion's athleticism. Um, and you can, you can pinpoint little things, but there's not, there's just not an obvious weakness. Like, like in this game, he tortured OG Ananobi, who is, is maybe not a huge name, but is flat out one of the best man to man defenders in the league with his speed, his strength. There's a reason they weren't putting Siakam on Randall. They put OG because OG's, um, like, like RJ on steroids in, in terms of his strength, like Randall wasn't going to bully him. And it was almost like, I mean, Randall, again, you give him credit for knowing the scouting report. He didn't try to bully him. He said, all right, I'm just, I'm bigger than him. I'm going to splash jumpers in his eye the entire night. And that's exactly what happened. Like first play of the game, pump fake, one dribble, long two, cash. Then he hits a wing three in OG's face. Um, Next possession from 26 feet out, hits another one, eight points in the first two and a half minutes. Surrounded by three Raptors, um, like four or five minutes later, hits his third three. Um, then, then he shows off the versatility Raptors go to more of his zone. He drives through two or three different guys, gets right to the rim, 13th point of the first quarter. And, and his defense really stood out to me in this one, Alex, he, he just absolutely shut down Pascal Siakam a couple of times on drives. And it, it seemed like every time he did so, it gave him a little bit of momentum to come down on the other end and make a play. The first time he locked down Siakam came back, dimed up Reggie Bullock for a second straight corner three. Then um, fast forward to the second quarter, Stonewall Siakam again comes down, drains um, a high degree of difficulty jumper over OG. Um, this one near the end of the second or end of the second quarter, uh, fourth three of the half, another one right in Ananobi's face. It got to the point where OG literally like pushed Nerlens Noel into Randall on a three because he was so desperate to get out on him. That ended up being a foul. Hit another one over another perfect contest from Ananobi. And you could tell, like, from OG's perspective, it just had to be immensely frustrating because the guy's playing picture-perfect defense. But it's that old saying, great offense beats great defense every time. And and Randall proved that over and over and over again. There's just no answer to someone as big as him, someone who presents the threat of the drive that he does, just raining jumpers in someone's face. And, and right now, Alex, I mean, we've had a, we've had not only a full season of it, but the last nine games have really emphasized just how different Randall is in that respect. All right, uh, let's get let's get into um, a little a little pause before we come back and talk about Derrick Rose. I, I'm going to tell 
everyone about one of our newest and one of our favorite sponsors, and that is Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule the complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, give your quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately an Indeed skills test that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skill tests that add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. That's an incredible statistic. It's, it's like Julius Randle raining fire on OG Ananobi, four times better than any other player in the league. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. And today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar, which, in case you have not heard, is the best tasting protein bar ever. Don't just take it from me. We're hearing this from our listeners that come join us on the locker rooms as well. It may have only been one person that mentioned it, but I'm going to pretend like it was a ton because that's just how things go here. And, you know, we've got first person testimonials. It's not just me. Everybody loves Built Bars. They are so good. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and they are quite frankly unbeatable. That's because they have so many great flavors. They have cookies and cream, uh, peanut butter, salted caramel, toffee almond, coconut almond, one of my favorites. I, I know I sing its praises all the time, but been an Almond Joy guy my whole life, and coconut almond right there tastes just like an Almond Joy. They're all covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew so they give you, again, that candy bar feeling without all that candy bar guilt. That's because Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. For example, my favorite, Coconut Almond, has 18 grams of protein compared to just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. So if you want to get some Built Bars for yourself, see what all the hype's about. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And it is time for the NFL Draft. I can't believe it's almost here. But this year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th to May 1st. And I tell you what, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of interest. You know, maybe maybe you're a Knicks fan that also watches football. I'm sure there's a pretty big cross-section there. If you're a Jets or Giants fan, you know, you're going to get to hear some new names called early for your team. I, I As a Jets fan, I still... 
am not a hundred percent who I even want on the team. I don't, for whatever reason, I don't know if I'm sold on Zach Wilson, but whatever. That's a that's a discussion for another day. Uh, Gavin, we are moving right along, covering this Knicks Raptors game, and I know this was someone that you were very excited to talk about. So I think we'll give him the second segment here. Derek Rose had a fantastic game in this game. I mean. Uh, 19 points, 7 to 10 shooting, 5 to 6 from the free throw line, uh, 7 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 steals. And in one of the most uh, telling plus-minus arrangements of all time, every single player on the Knicks was a plus, except Alfred Payton was a minus 9. And Derrick Rose led the team with a plus 26, uh, which I think was very, very well-earned. That was right before RJ Barrett, who finished with a plus 23, who spoiler alert, we'll talk about in a minute, but Rose, I thought just brought out so much in this game and he has been so much lately. Uh, you made the the point on Twitter, which I'll allow you to you know, <laughs> articulate yourself in a sec, but I saw you were kind of putting up your notes from the game as you were watching it and uh, noted that like, this is now what, you know, you would have probably expected Rose to look like at this age even if he had managed to hold up the MVP form for so long and stuff like this is what he would look like aging gracefully, um, you know, sort of finding how to be a a good, you know, functional player as his, you know, super duper elite athleticism and leaping ability started to leave him. And he, you know, could start leaning into some of the skills that, that made him, you know, also very good if, if not as explosive or as much of like a sports center top 10 type player. And I, I thought this game was just the latest in a long line of ones where he's just making the right call like all the time. You know, he's he's so smart about using his dribble penetration and the, you know, the opportunities that it affords him and others at this point where he's been going to the floater. Like it's I don't know. I mean, quickly hasn't been getting the floater to go quite as much lately. It's almost like Rose, like just kind of absorbed some of quickly's automatic floater energy from earlier this year and now is using it for himself because i mean his floater is as close to automatic as anything and he's hitting it in even tougher situations i think that quickly was previously where you know there was one that stood out to me where he just like he made it like over i I forget who was defending him but someone way bigger and he got like just the right amount of extension but had like like just an inch of space to get this floater off on the baseline as he was kind of like, it was kind of like coming across his body too. Like he was kind of like going uh, around and then sort of just like turned and flipped it up from the baseline. Yeah, was it that was the just, Siakam one in the fourth quarter? Or was that an earlier one? I I don't recall off the top of my head because I, I was telling you before we started recording, we're recording this on, on Sunday night. I, I, this game feels like 10 years ago to me for some reason. But I, I think that might have been the Siakam one because that would make sense why I was so like dumbfounded as to how he managed to get it off with that little amount of space. But there was another one that he hit early in the game too, because I remember I kind of noted to myself, like they tossed it to him on the perimeter with like four seconds left on the shot clock. And he managed to just pull this, this floater like out of his butt uh, with like 0.0001 seconds left on the clock, just managed to pull this floater out and make it. And I was like, wow. All right. So Derek Rose is the guy that you just give the ball to. If you don't know what to do with, you know, four seconds left on the shot clock and he'll figure something out. Um, but on top of that, you know, he was he, he's just been making the, the fantastic reads that he's been making over the last, you know, X number of games now. 
where he's, you know, using that penetration to get in there and then kick out to shooters. And I, I just love everything about his game. He's truly playing like, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it right now. It's like, like more athletic Manu Ginobili kind of. Like, it's, I, kind, it's kind of Chris Paul-esque, honestly. I guess, yeah. I mean, it's he's just very, you know, he's so methodical. And like, it's like every movement that he makes has a purpose at this point. Like he doesn't, it's, it's such a stark contrast from the first time he was with the Knicks when, you know, there were so many possessions wasted on over dribbling and, um, you know, looking guys off and just trying to look for his own offense and, and, you know, all these other things. Now it's just like, he's just playing. It's like, you know, the beautiful game with him, you know, it's like he's playing the most perfect brand of basketball that you could hope for from a point guard right now, I think. I mean, I think it's it's kind of um, what I've always appreciated the most about LeBron because so often with, I mean, you see these guys come into the league, right? Who are who are just like once in a generation freaks, like Rose, Westbrook, Iverson, um, Jordan, obviously, and, and I mean, not not including Jordan, but with a lot of these guys, you see them, and it, this isn't a shot at at any of them because. I mean, most players never get to this level of basketball, but you, you, you see them master the game after their athleticism has already mostly left them. And the great thing about LeBron, I've always felt, is that he came in just so precocious from a, from a basketball mind perspective that, that at, like when he was peaking at like 25, 26, 27 through today, he, he figured out almost everything about the game and anything he, he didn't know or he wasn't sure about, like he, he got there eventually while he still had the athleticism to fully leverage it. And, and Rose, I mean, to me, the tragedy with him was not, not that he, he wasn't a smart player as a young guy, but if you had combined that freakish athleticism with how he thinks the game now, I mean, you're, you're talking about like a top 20 guy all time. Um, with that being said, I'm not really here to lament what we've lost with Derek Rose because I'll, I'll, I'll stand by what, what I tweeted. I, I think this is the most complete, this has to be the most complete version of him since his initial run in Chicago. He, he's, I mean, again, it's, it's six games. Who, who knows if he can maintain it, but over the last six, he's shooting 61% from the field, averaging right around 18 points, five assists per game. And, and I'm with you, Alex. I just think he's playing perfect basketball right now. Like I, I was just going through all of his plays from the game. And even even some of the ones that weren't capped off by made shots, like it feels like every single possession he's making the right pass. And against the Raptors in particular, a team that's so multiple defensively, and and the collective IQ is is almost as good as any team in the league. And he was just manipulating them with his eyes, looking one way, throwing a no look pass the other way, I'm getting it to to Taj repeatedly for easy shots. I'm like no looks into like the opposite corner to Reggie Bullock just ripping the zone apart with his passing, his ability to shoot one-on-one to your point, like puncturing it with, with double crossovers between the legs. Um, he, he had that one fast break that I, I just thought it was, again, uh, Chris Paul is like the only name I can use. because that, that, That's the one point guard. I mean, it's it, like, I would say Rose is playing like a point God right now. It, it's a masterclass. Like he's, he's in transition. He slows down, goes between the legs. He, he sees out of the corner of his eye, that Obi Toppin is trailing the play and is going to be wide open. So he's like, all right, I got to pause. I, I got to stem the tide a little bit. The defense has to settle. Because if, if you if you overpenetrate in those situations, a lot of times you you miss out on, on what could be a, a trailer 
or, or an opportunity developing late in the break, but instead perfect patience between the legs. But he's like, all right, he's coming now. I got to speed up. I got to suck in the whole defense. Zips to the rim, gets their whole defense, converges around him, throw back out, wide open three to Obi Toppin. One of three that Obi hit in this game, Obi sinks it. Um, and that was just, I mean, to me, that, that one play epitomized a great night for him. You noted it. I'll say it again. The, the floaters, the push shots, the runners, whatever you want to call them, just ridiculous. And, and he's been, it feels like it's similar to Randall where, I mean, it, it, it makes you believe, I, I know there are statistical arguments against the existence of the hot hand in basketball or momentum being a real thing in basketball. I mean, the, the shots Randall and uh, Rose are hitting right now make you believe they're, they're not shots that even, even like the best players on earth make with great regularity. And both of them are just sinking it time after time after time. Randall with his step back threes, Rose with his crazy hierarchy floaters. But Alex, I, I've indulged myself. I've gone long again. Let us tell the good people about, you know, if they think this Knicks winning streak is going to continue, and why wouldn't you? They're playing some of the best basketball in the NBA. Where's the place they could ultimately put money down? I'll tell you. It's bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If it's a very big if, use our promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right, we are back. Third and final segment on Locked On Knicks, but we just want to remind you, as always, in case you haven't heard yet, if you want to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes, it's a great deal. It's very concise, unlike our podcast. You can do so with the Locked On Today pod. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, third and final segment, Alex. I- I've been talking forever, so I'm going to throw it to you. W- where do you want to start? Oh, uh, I would probably say R.J. Barrett. Um, how could we not, right? 25 points, 8 of 16 shooting, 3 of 7 from 3, uh, 6 of 7 from the free throw line, 12 rebounds, which I believe was his season high. I don't think that's his career high, though. Didn't he? He had like 15 or something one time last year. And four assists in this game. Uh, I, I, I mean, you want to talk about guys that, like, what else do we say? Like, RJ, I think, has just gotten to this point where he's, I wouldn't wouldn't quite say slump proof at this point, but I mean, he's very resilient from, you know, poor shooting in the early stages of games like this game. It seemed early on, like this was going to be one of those games where it's just not his night. You know, like it seemed like, you know, maybe he, his percentage wasn't terrible, but it just seemed like every time that the Knicks like needed a bucket from him early, it just was clanging. And then he just totally put it together down the stretch again. And quite frankly, just like took over in the, you know, the late third quarter, fourth quarter, you know, all that. It it was just RJ Barrett time again. And, you know, he scored the majority of his points in the second half. um, Just played really, really well once again. And, you know, kind of just started or kept, you know, kind of picking up the load for, uh, for uh, Alec Burks since he's been out as far as, you know, taking that late game scoring onus and making things easier on Julius Randle to an extent and that sort of thing. Um, 
it's just really great. I don't know, play from him again. Um, I just, <laughs> I'm glad that I was able to talk my way through that. I just went through and pulled up the box score. Second half alone, he scored 20 points on six of 11 shooting, two of four from three, and had all seven of those free throw attempts just in the second half, along with nine of his rebounds. Uh, so, you know, just a really awesome second half from RJ Barrett and one that, I don't know, like that's, I'm not saying he's going to score 20 points in the second half every single night, but I mean, it, it's becoming pretty commonplace for him to score at least like 12 to 15 points in the second half, even if he struggles in the first half lately. And that, you know, I think if we were talking earlier in the show about, oh, like, you know, maybe Julius Randle is upgrading himself from a, from a championship level, you know, number three option to a championship level number two option. Maybe RJ is slowly but surely upgrading himself to like a, I don't want to say surefire, but a potential, you know, championship number three option someday. Because if he can keep, you know, going where he's the guy that you can count on in clutch situations and he does all these little things that he does, which isn't just limited to scoring, like he's a great defender, um, you know, he's a, a like a really good rebounder for his position and um, good at finding teammates and keeping the ball moving and stuff like that. You know, maybe the sky's the limit for him. Um, it, it'll be really interesting to see how things go. And, and the best part is, is that, you know, he's still younger than a large number of rookies this year. And he's younger than any rookie or otherwise on the Knicks this year. I mean, he's, he's literally their youngest player at 20 years old and is, you know, coming through with this sort of play. At 20, uh, it really it's enough to make you kind of starry-eyed for him going forward. Yeah, I saw a stat that he, I think, out of projected for consensus projected first round picks next year, he he there there are eight guys who are going to be taken in the first round next year who are older than him, which is is pretty crazy to think about. But I mean, let, I mean, let's just call it what it is. He's at this point, he's one of the mentally toughest players in the league, and. I think we saw signs of that going back to next year, but to your point, Alex, adversity really doesn't affect him. And if we, we, we should have probably learned that lesson after the the oft reference like one for twenty one, two for like forty something stretch that he had earlier this season, and then just kept bombing away, got the form right, didn't let last season get to him, didn't let the early season struggles this season get to him, and a lot of times, especially with guys who who are really really hyped coming out of college and don't have that immediate success, that's half the battle, just not letting that get them down and, and, and continuing to work and continuing to trust the process. As cliched as it sounds, clearly paid dividends for R.J. Barrett. And I, I thought, I, I mean, I know I keep saying this about all these guys, but this was one of my favorite games from him of the year. Um, I, I thought maybe his best drive of the season came late in the first quarter. Um, it was a dribble handoff. The Raptors were in zone. RJ quickly, like he, he caught it kind of um, perpendicular to the basket where he was, um, I, I guess he, he was parallel with the baseline. And and he saw a gap between two defenders and just very quickly pivots into a drive. Kyle Lowry, being the smart defender that he is, catches up to him, but just goes up and under, uh, beats the backside contest, finishes at the rim. Um, and then I loved how he was going at Fred Van Vliet, who obviously is, is like five, six inches shorter than him, but very strong, very physical dude, um, just drives right into his body. Lowry comes over to help, banks it in anyway. Someone put it out on Twitter, but that's, that's a call in a couple of years. He's getting every time once he hits that 
superstar level, ran the break to perfection to get Reggie Bullock, um, a really nice uh, reverse layup, and then just started uh, abusing in the third and fourth. You uh, two, uh, Wananabe, who is, I mean, not not a big name, and people were clowning him for getting dunked on by Anthony Edwards, but that guy is is big and strong and a really good defender. And, and RJ was just either, I mean, first time blew by him, second time just put his shoulder down and got an and one. Um, and, and then I loved um, when, when the Raptors were, were sort of climbing back into it late. Uh, they got they got it down to 108 to 100. Um, RJ missed a little floater and then just fights through traffic, gets an offensive rebound, puts it back. It honestly, I got kind of nostalgic seeing it. It reminded me of RJ last season where he got a lot of offensive rebounds and he he kind of, I, I think it was, it was honestly just because he was missing more shots last season, but he really had to play like this ugly style of bully ball because he wasn't quite skilled enough yet and now that the skill level is is like catching up to the strength and the tenacity you're seeing someone who again against one of the i mean perpetually when when they have all their talent there against one of the better and smarter defenses in the league uh he was he he was toasting toronto for most of the second half and really imposing his will alex i also put this out on twitter but i'm I'm curious your thoughts i I think if rj and and it's a big if because we've seen a lot of inconsistency from him this year if he keeps playing at this level I, I, I want to see them keep continue to split him and Randall up and get RJ a lot of run with bench units. And I wouldn't mind, especially as you may, maybe maybe as soon as the playoffs, if you, if you have full games where neither of them is off the court, which obviously hasn't been the trend this year. But I, I just really dig like him being out there with Rose, Quickly, Obi, and, and a center. Yeah, I like it so much more than the platoon swaps. Like I think I don't think it's a coincidence that during this win streak, Tibbs has really gotten away from that and been more open to mixing the bench unit with the starters and like seeing who plays well with each other, what units can sort of give guys a rest, you know? And to your point, yeah, like there's been very little time anymore with where you get, you know, RJ and Randall both off the floor and plenty of time where they still play together. I mean, think about it. Like they they're each playing 38 minutes or whatever a game, you know, if they're both playing really well, that's, I mean, you only got to find a way to, to figure out like 10 minutes, you know, where you just stagger them for 10 minutes. And then you never have to have these situations where you're without your two best players on the floor. And the fact is like, he's so good. And, and Randall's so good that they make it so much easier on those bench guys to be successful too, because they draw so much attention and, you know, they, they are also, you know, great passers and, you know, just great guys to have out there pretty much in all situations. So like if you, you know, you could have uh, that unit that you were basically just saying like Rose um, quickly, RJ, Obi and like Taj out there and you get, I mean, some impact that's basically on the level of like a starting unit because you still have a starting caliber player out there along with quickly. Who's, you know, such a good floor spacer and Rose who maybe at this point should be the next starting point guard. And then you have, you know, Obi who's been playing. I mean, it will probably have to give him at least, you know, one or two shout outs for this game uh, before we end the show. Like this was his first time where I've really thought, Oh, all right. You know, the spot up shooting is finally looking good for him right now uh like consistently he had three or four makes from three in this game and they were all like really really big critical moment three-pointers that the knicks like really needed to one stay in the game earlier in the game and then two uh 
like he he was really the impetus for the big run that let the Knicks uh, put this game away basically in the the late stages of the game. But like, yeah, and in the center, it doesn't really matter. Like the, both Taj and Noel are so good that you know it's it's not a huge difference one way or the other. But you know that that unit works really well together, and then you can very seamlessly just be like, okay, you know, Obi comes out and we'll give RJ a blow and we'll put Bullock back in and you could very easily do, you know, Rose quickly, uh, Bullock, Randall and, you know, Taj or Noel and have a, a good sound unit out there as well that can hang with a- any other team starters or bench unit, quite frankly, you know, and that's like the beauty of good rotations, which I think is something that has eluded Tibbs for much of this year. So I'm really glad just like you to see that he's finally starting to figure it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you, and and I'll I'll leave the two rookies to you. I want to give just uh I mean because they they deserve one every game. A, a quick shout out to the to the glue pieces holding this team together. Reggie Bullock, another thirty seven minutes. As far as I could tell, really good defense. Uh, Sixteen points, six of ten from the field, three of seven from three. And I I just think we're we're getting to a point with Reggie Bullock with, with how well he's shooting and how well he's defending. The Knicks are going to have to pay the guy this summer. I mean, Joe Harris got, I mean, what this offseason, like $16 million a year, $17 million a year? I'm, I'm having trouble remembering in the moment. It's pretty late. But I, I don't think Reggie is worth quite that because Joe can also um, occasionally take guys off the dribble and finish, which isn't really a part of Reggie's game. And he's just he's, he's just a, as good of a three-point shooter as Reggie Bullock is. He, he's just better. Um, but defensively, Reggie, Reggie hasn't beat. And I... I mean, it, it's it's like the behind stars, like the number one asset you want in the NBA is three and D guys to surround your best players. So I, I think so, I wouldn't be shocked again if he if he keeps this up, which is a big if because he, he's been shooting the lights out for like 15 games now. If a team offers him 12 million dollars a year, 13 million dollars a year, like like none of none of that would shock me, especially because he's gotten through this whole year relatively healthy. Um, and I I want the Knicks to to pony up for him. And I know some people, I mean, considering that this isn't a finished team yet and then the Knicks theoretically are going to take guys in the draft that you're going to want to get like minutes or starting minutes at the wing spots. I, I, I just think the chemistry has with Randall this point and, and what he provides is an outlet. Like there's just as good as Alec Burks was at stretches this year. He, he does something I, I think distinctly different. And, and if RJ continues to make steps and Derek Rose can play like this for years to come, which is, is a very big if, um, and, and a real question. I, I just think Bullock is is the more unique and irreplaceable of the two. I, I just don't see where the Knicks find another guy like him. So it, it's going to be really, really important that they, even even if it takes a little bit of an overpay, they find a way to keep him uh, this offseason. Nerlens Noel, not much scoring, but a four-block game. Again, just insane rim protection. Taj, we, we were you and I, Alex, were joking about it pre-show. Um Looking a little bit like Omni Man in episode seven of Invincible. Everyone watched that great cartoon. Um, but he he had the glowing red eye, and he, he came out and he he looked like the Terminator, and it didn't really matter. Nine points, five boards, nineteen minutes. Uh, I, I just I just love the chemistry with him and Rose. I mean, two guys you can tell have been playing together for a decade. Probably should be too old to be kicking butt in the NBA, but they're still doing it. Um, and then uh, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, Alex, I'll, I'll leave it off to you. I, I think in, in different ways, but certainly exciting moments for both of them in this one. Yeah, I'll just make this real quick 
wrap around all around, but I'll, I'll wrap up uh, Bullock. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see him get 11, 12 million. You got to remember, like, the Knicks before his back injury were prepared to give him two years, $20 million with a second year uh, team option on that. So, I mean, that's pretty in line. And he wasn't nearly as good as he's been this year uh, in the, uh, you know, the, the years with the Pistons and the Lakers and all that stuff uh, prior to getting to that contract with the Knicks and then having that voided because of the injury. So certainly would not be surprised at all to see him get 11 or 12 million or maybe give the Knicks a slight discount and take like 10 or something. But, you know, either way, it probably gonna have to pay him. And uh, as far as Taj, the, the eye made me think of uh, Terminator for one, or also just watched uh, the new Mortal Kombat movie over the weekend. And so he's kind of like Kato with the glowing red laser eye. Um, <laughs> but that movie, I, I will say, you know, it, you said Invincible, very, very good. Uh, Mortal Kombat, eh. It's okay. You know, not a strong recommendation for me, but it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. So I'll give it that much. And it had some somewhat entertaining fights. Um, but at any rate, yeah, the, the Rooks, uh, you know, Obi, I, I sort of already, you know, got into it. I think the biggest thing he brought in this game was his three point shooting. He didn't really affect the game in, in the box score too much. Otherwise he did play, you know, as he has been pretty good defense and, you know, all in all was a plus player undoubtedly, which, is all you can ask for. I mean, he he only needed to play nine minutes behind Julius Randle in this game. And that was probably just because Julius was so good. But, you know, realistically, you probably could have left Obi in there a little longer in the fourth quarter. And the Knicks would have stayed afloat without Randle in there, which is all you really need to say about how Obi's been playing lately. And then quickly, like, didn't really have his most uh, effective statistic game. You know, kind of same thing with Obi. Like, the stats don't necessarily tell all the story. Uh, six points, two of five shooting, two of four from three, two assists. Uh, I thought that he had one of the more pretty assists that I've seen from a Nick player this year. Uh, in the first half, he was he had the ball on the perimeter, and like I think he took a screen and he kind of drove into the lane, and it was a situation where he could have just as easily gone for a floater or something, but instead sees Reggie Bullock over towards the corner and just threw this like. I mean, you could call it a frozen rope if you want. On the on the Strickland's Twitter, I, I called it a uh, like a Degrom slider. Like I don't know if it was just the angle for TV or whatever, but it looked like it had like almost like motion on it, like a motion pitch in uh, in baseball. And found Reggie like right in his shooting pocket, and it was so weird because the the pass like somehow simultaneously got there quick, but also just looked like it was moving in slow motion, and just hit him with the perfect pass. Was good for a three for Reggie. So that was great to see from IQ and just kind of a testament to how his uh, playmaking is evolving at this point. But in general, I I think that he just kind of provided what he's been providing lately, which is just a really consistent source of spacing out there. And that showed through in his plus minus. Like, again, every player on the team finished with a positive. Uh, Quickly was one of those in double digits with a plus 10. And it felt very earned in 21 minutes there. So that's where I'll leave that. Gavin, unless you had anything else to add, I think we can wrap this episode up, though, because uh, we're once again <laughs> going long. It's tough not to talk for like 40 minutes about this team right now. So I don't really blame us, but we do got to wrap up. Um, so do you have anything to add before we sign off for today? No, I'm, I'm, I'm all good. Great, great, great win. And uh, 
Man, tomorrow uh, or I guess tonight for people listening is is, is my Super Bowl. Uh, Suns, Suns, Knicks, my two teams, my two babies. Uh, it's obviously, obviously, I'm rooting for the Knicks to win their tenth in a row. But uh, it, it's the game I generally get most excited for every year, and the fact that that it could be a ten game winning streak on top of everything else against the Suns team that somehow is second in the Western Conference. Uh, really, really cool for me. So, so everyone, you'll, you'll be getting, you'll be getting a juiced up, uh, juiced up version of me podcasting tomorrow. Yeah. Big game. It's the second best team in the West versus the hottest team and the four seed in the East. And it's happening at Madison square garden, which is just insane to think about. So here's hoping for 10 wins tonight, but until then, This has been Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw, and this has been Locked on Knicks. We will talk to you all tomorrow. Peace out.